Welcome back to another episode of our Eagle Perspective podcast. I'm Mike Siciliano, Dean of Students of the Upper School. I'm here once again continuing our Yard of Books series with our head of schools, Rod Gilbert. Rod, thanks for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. So today is our first video podcast. Yes. Uh, for some reason, someone thought it would be a good idea if they could see us. And well, we... Yeah, that's at, a problem. At some point, we yeah. should start questioning the wisdom of these decisions. Like there are a lot of well, we were both out of town for a while. A lot yeah. of decisions were made while we were gone. Right. It was like, hey, we're doing a podcast. There's going to be cameras. Uh, you know, I, to the extent that our audience is already too small, I'm not sure this will help. No, but, and we both have faces made for radio. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So, uh, what book did you bring for us today? today? We're looking at Roald Dahl's book. James and the Giant Peach. Okay, so Roald Dahl, uh, renowned child author, primarily, yes, right? Yes. Um, why did you pick this book for us? Uh, this book is uh, actually is his first book in the genre of children's literature. So he wrote this before all his, of his other children's this, literature the, books. Okay. He actually had written adult books and short stories first, and this is his first foray into children's literature. Okay. And it worked. Okay. Yeah. And, and what about this book makes you feel like if we're, if we're asking, if we're telling people... In your yard of books in your house, yeah. right? This is one that should be on the shelf. Well, I, I think as a school, we love the idea of learning as a process. And this book is a great start to a whole world of literature that you know very well, sort of coming of age. Yeah. What does it mean to for a child to be challenged reasonably or even pushed in some sort of trauma? Yeah. And then what did they do to overcome it? Yeah. And it's the great coming of age genre. And we have many books at our school that push kids. Yeah, and I think, yeah. in fact, you know, even through this series, we've talked about that process of adversity yeah. and the value of that yeah. coming of age. So yeah. uh, do you want to give a little overview of the book for anyone who may not have, have sure. read it yet? Sure. So uh, James is a little boy in Britain, and uh, he suffers the trauma on the first page. His mother and father are killed by a runaway rhinoceros in the zoo. And they were, uh, the line is, they were dead within 35 seconds flat. But James suffered the pain for many years to come. Mm -hmm. That's on the first page of this book. Okay. And so he gets uh, taken to Aunt Spike and Aunt Sponge, and they are horrid, horrid women who treat him poorly. And through a magical set of events, a huge peach grows in their yard Mm -hmm. And the adventure begins. What happens in that with the peach and about the peach and James and the peach? So, and just to dig into that a little bit, uh, the peach grows because James is approached by a strange person. Yeah, right. He's like some. It's kind of like the Jack and the Beanstalk. Thing. Right. So, for our student listeners, you know, it's the great story of, Jan of Jack and the Beanstalk. Right. You get the beans, you plant them. Right. And, so, uh, so the first moral of the story is when a stranger walks up to you and says, "I have some magic beans." Don't don't take you the magic take beans. Them. Well, yeah, yeah. Depending, <laughs> I, I'm risk averse. You you like to take more risks. I'm just saying what the book says, <laughs> right? I mean, the adventure happens because well, he, he said, said yes. He said he was trustworthy. Oh, so well, to, that's probably in that's today's incredible. world, he would have sent it as a Snapchat. Yeah, and okay. You would just buy it, right? Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So this peach grows, and uh, ultimately. There's like this tunnel under the peach that grows. Well, actually, the, the ants start selling tickets because they're see the horrid peach. people. They put a fence around it, and mm -hmm. then James goes out one night. He sneaks out because they used to lock him in his room, of yep. course, because it's rolled doll. And uh, he sees a hole in the peach. 
And he's thinking, well, what kind of creature would make such a huge hole? Yeah. So he crawls up into the middle of it and gets into the middle of the pit, which is like a living room. And there inside the pit, he finds some creatures. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are the little fellows that he hangs out with. Yeah. So. Okay, so everything you've said so far, if I'm nine years old or seven years old, or as I often do, I'll talk about my six-year-old, right? Yeah, yeah. She would hear this so far and be scared yeah. a little bit, Yeah. right? Is that bad? Does that mean we should put the book down? No, but it w- I would say that this is one of our first banned books. For a while, this was considered a little violent, and it had alcohol in it, and there were some and groups. Death. And death, yeah. yeah. And it was actually banned for a little while, and uh, reason prevailed. And uh, it was proven that this doesn't damage children. Like I, yeah. I think it's perfect for children. To me, it's the same genre of uh, the the fables of old, Hansel and Gretel, right? You yep. don't go into the woods by yourself. Don't eat the candy on the house because there's likely a witch that's going to put you in her oven, right? right? So the, those stories that were told in, in the scary parts of Europe were to really keep kids safe. It was to teach them that harm and evil is out there and be careful. Yeah, rather than... I I love the fact that Dahl specializes in a reasonable amount of fearful trauma. Yeah, so, you know, said in another way, it's actually healthy for them to experience these things through the lens of somebody else, a fictional character. Yeah, vicariously. Uh, Yeah, you know, what, what would... what. How do I develop empathy or understanding for someone who's lost their parents on the first page? That, that's a that's right? a great point. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and then of course they they so he meets this this band of characters inside yeah. this peach, right? Well, they appear to be frightening because they're life size insects. There's a ladybug with nine spots, uh, a silkworm, a cricket. Is a, nine a, a lot centipede. or a little for a ladybug? Well, that a... that actually I'm not going to ruin the story to that. Okay. It's actually a story on right. James and the ladybug later have a discussion about why nine spots. So I'm not going to tell you okay. the story of that. But, Thank you. No, it, it's worth reading. And uh, but the, it's just several insects, and they all have very distinct personalities. Uh, the centipede is convinced he has 100 feet. Technically, he has 42. The grasshopper takes issue with it every time he tries to take his <laughs> shoes off because he makes James take his shoes off. It, it, it's like listening to two brothers arguing about how many feet do you really have. Yeah. And so James ends up living with these people, the, these ins, these life-size insects inside of the pit for a little while. Yeah. Is, is it fair to say, or am I reading too much into it, that each of those insects, right, they all have a personality. They do. They they're all have, very distinct. They all have, uh, they're, they're all almost uh, over-characterized by particular traits. Exactly. And, and as a child reading that, is it a little bit of um, seeing how a person, James, manages different aspects of a personality, right? Maybe even his own personality. It is. And and first impressions are not actually the way the person may be. Like in the first few pages, uh, one of them starts complaining about how hungry they are. And then they all start complaining. Yeah. And then he's frightened because, of course, these are huge bugs. I mean, they're taller than him. Yeah. And uh, he thinks he's going to be eaten and then they find out they realize oh my gosh he thinks we're going to eat him and they start <laughs> yeah. laughing and then they go oh my gosh that's disgusting we're insects yeah. we're not animals yeah yeah i like that first impressions are not always defining but you looked yeah. at me interestingly when you said that so i'm gonna try not to read too much into that <laughs> or ask you to publicly share your first i have a lot of thoughts about the first time i yeah. met you yeah but so, that's, that's in my journal yeah. <laughs> so how does james grow in his experience with these 
Like, how is he different at the end of the book oh, from when he first met I, I think when I, when I was reading this, as I read this in 1979 as a nine-year-old, I would have answered as um, he figured out survival. Like, he survived through this grand adventure. And I'll, we can touch on it, but we don't want to spoil too much of yeah. the story. But I think as an adult looking back on it, it's very specific to me. It's noticeable that Roald Dahl is showing us that through harsh moments, a person really can rise to a new level of challenge, and we would call it in our school critical thinking skills, or even how to manage a group, how mm-hmm. to work with a group to solve a hard problem. And so, you know, I, I, as a nine-year-old, I didn't, I didn't know to say that. I just really was worried that he was going to die. Yeah. You know, uh, through the adventure. But and, uh, probably as a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old, you realize they, that living through these adventures developed in you a little bit of training of yeah. how to handle some of these situations. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I would say uh, from an autobiographical standpoint, um, my house burned down when I was nine to the ground. Oh, my goodness. And uh, Before we, or after you read the book? Three months before I read okay. the book. And so it, we watched it burn to the ground, and uh, we all survived. This was North Carolina? Yeah. Okay. Traumatic moment for a nine-year-old and my little brother. And three months later, mom and dad uh, took us to D.C. for four or five days for a little vacation. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was one of the books that my mom bought me in the Washington Hmm. Mall. I remember reading it sitting in the Washington Mall. Did you do that intentionally, knowing the story already? Mom's always throwing books my way. Yeah. And uh, my fourth grade year was the year that books became something to me. And, And... she and I've talked about it. I think part of it was the actual trauma of the the fire. It, yeah. it was a it alarmed our whole little town. Were you, if I can spend some time on that? Yeah. Were, were you in the house when the fire started? We were we were on the back porch, and it was like okay. four in the afternoon. Yeah. And uh, something went wrong with the fireplace, and Dad yelled out, "Go everybody go, out! Go call the neighbors!" And okay, very traumatic sort of fifteen minutes. And, and, and uh, how, how, how quickly did you realize that the house was not going to make it? I mean, like, I, I can only imagine yeah. like, the first few minutes. I think you're like, are they going to get here? Are they going to save? Well, we have these sort of snapshots. In it. My brother and I have talked about it, but yeah. you have these sort of snapshots of running to the neighbors and then running back and then watching Dad unwind a garden hose and, yeah. and uh, being frightened, like, this, this is bad. Yeah. And uh, so... Yeah. But it, but back, back to the book, it, it, now in reflection, I think that uh, my mom didn't know anything about James the Giant Peach. But for me, looking back on it, it was a safe place for me to put trauma. Yeah. And then see, look at the hero that he became. Yeah. You know, and he, he made it. And uh, uh, it was this book, and the other book was uh, William Dubois' The 21 Balloons. The, I remember the covers of both of them. And yeah. Both of those have floating things in because they, they, they end up floating the peach right. through the sky. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know. So <laughs> I remember that part. But of I'm it. glad you touched on I wanted to touch on the trauma because Roald Dahl specializes in that. All of the books, there's some kind of bad things that happen to yeah. the kid. Somebody dies. Yeah. Because that's... That's what frightens a kid the most, yeah. you know, mom and well, dad. Well, and died. he had so much of it in his own life. Did yeah. you ever read, he wrote, uh, was it his own autobiography or someone did a biography of him that I read? Oh, Roald Dahl. Yeah, it talks no. all about his time in in, no. uh, in the war and, you know, how all yeah, Wasn't that. he a correspondent yeah. or something for a little yeah. while? I, I, I've never read anything about And had lots of it. trauma. No. Uh, yeah. I did not know this. So 
that connects uh, that, as to wow. why you know he kind of ends up specializing in these books. I love the fact that he hated school. Yeah. Or, or hated bad schools or hated bad teachers. Certainly hated bad head, headmasters, which I find yeah. beautiful as a headmaster. Like I, I adore, uh, I, I adore that thing. I wouldn't know anything about bad headmasters, Rod. I mean, that, I that you don't like headmasters. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't grow up as a child thinking one day I'm going to be the principal, like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But uh, yeah, can know. we talk about how in every movie the principal is such adult? I I love it. I I think it's I, teenagers and children need a common enemy, and. Uh, and for for the principal to be like that awful headmaster in Harry Potter, that lady that came in with all the rules on the wall, you know. Yeah. It, I, I, when I saw that in the movies, I thought, oh, that reminds me of that Although Pink you Floyd. Did, you did kind of just disprove my theory because Albus Dumbledore is more of a hero. There type. are exceptions. There are exceptions. That, that's why um, before I moved here, um, I had some of my teachers presented to me a Dumbledore wand, but they called me Dumbledore. Some of the teachers called me Dumbledore because. They like me. Yeah. Yeah. The Elder Wand, of course. But that's another book. Yeah, I've not studied the different ones <laughs> enough to know. Well, all I know is, you know, there's all these inspirational movies about teachers. Yeah. Right? You yeah, know, yeah. standing up on the desk, oh, oh Captain, my captain. Oh, I love that. You know, where's the principal that. one? Yeah. You they're, know? They're, uh, they're not around. <laughs> I, I did have someone tell me about the movie um, The Emperor's Club with Kevin Klein. That I should see that, but I think that's about a teacher too. But I had so many it. people recommend it that I just yeah. re- I just thought, no, I'm going to be obtuse and not look at it. Yeah. So, um, so James and the Giant Peach, I remember reading as a kid. I think in school, like mm. it was in the curriculum. Uh, I'm not sure Good. if it's in. Our, is it? Is this something that's in our curriculum? Do I don't you know. I, I, have no idea. I didn't. Okay. I didn't think to check. Uh, it, do you know? Is it still a well-read? child's book i i don't know i I imagine uh in the last 15 years when uh uh disney produced a tim burton version of it Mm -hmm. there was probably a spike in sales did you see the movie actually i watched it when it first came out and didn't like it okay and uh, i'm not a much of a tim burton fan i Mm. i I can see what he's trying to do but the all the black and the the black darkness just kind of uh, bothers me but Actually, rewatched it this weekend hmm. before I came back on vacation, and I love it. I love the movie. What changed and, uh, in your feeling about it from when you first I, saw I, it? I think what I didn't realize the first time I watched it was his drawings, his puppets, and the darkness really match the the best of the illustrators, Quentin Blake, hmm. which is the one that I'm holding here. Hmm. I went back and looked at Quentin Blake's body of work in several of the books um, that he would he was a main illustrator for Dahl and it, it's a, it's obvious to me that Tim Burton was giving an homage to these great illustrators yeah. I mean it, their their drawings are frighteningly dark and yeah. uh, it even says here's a here's what James looked like one week after the rhinoceros killed his parents and there's wow. a drawing and it it his Eyes look different, and Quentin Blake is telling us bad things happen, and, yeah. and it and it affects us. So, in your watching yeah. of the movie this time, the ar- yeah. the art the artistry matched the trauma. It did, it did, it really did, yeah. and and also just the fantastical fun of it because Burton loves colors. And yeah. So the ladybug has nine spots. I think the ladybug. 
I can't remember. Anyways, I may be getting this yeah. mixed up with something else. But uh, well, it is true. The first time you watch a movie of a book you love, it, it feels like the evaluation is so much based it, on uh, is it is it is it the same as the yeah, book? Yeah, he he you know he t- you, know, you you want him to take license because it's a different genre. Yeah. And uh, now that I, I reread the book, James last night, uh, the whole thing, and um, it took about an hour and a half, and uh, there were two things that he did different than the. Dahl did something. There were two yeah. distinct things that uh, I think that Dahl's is better, yeah. but I'm not going to ruin yeah. that for anybody. So uh, we've talked a, a couple times in a, in a few of the books about the coming of age, dealing yeah. with trauma, yeah. growing through resilience. Um, so so maybe now's a good time to ask, how do we do that as a school, or what's your vision mm. of how we ought to be a part of that process? Mm. Well, for I think our the, kids? the I, I think the part of it is. <clears throat> The world is happening so fast, and there there appears to be so many new pieces of data 24-7. And so both you and I have a computer in our pocket called a phone. Mm-hmm. It's not even a phone, uh, any, barely. And I think that when, when you're training a child and a teenager, and then really are us as adults, there is something about this, the slow baking of thoughts in our hearts where we have to slow the information down and let a story dig deeper roots into the soul. And I can't do that in watching um, two-minute YouTube clips mm. you know, or, or a, a TikTok six-second thing. But there is, the, there is, I think in training the heart, the only way to really do it is to slow the digital pace down, turn technology off more often than we, th- than we think, and get into an analog world and open up a real book and it it slows the mind down it it makes you sit in some of the mm-hmm. discomfort mm-hmm. that the you know the digital world you just you just find something else yeah right? like if i'm if i were getting a 2 minute i can get a 2 minute book summary of james and the giant peach that's really pretty good his parents died the peach rolled down. Yeah, I know you can because I did it before we came on See, the air. So. I, I did too. I did too. <laughs> and so you can get a two-minute version. Clip, yeah. clip, so you get the plot. You get the you get the basic things. But you don't get to happened, sit and experience what happened and to the feel. seagulls. Yeah. But there, there. What are the cloud men? Right. Yeah. There, there's there's a there's a they meet people called the cloud men and the sharks. What about the sharks? And so you and I could get that in two minutes, and we get the information. But you don't actually get the seed that grows deeper into the heart to actually follow James through the conversation or, or listen to him try to sort out the different personalities that are in that pit. Yeah. The, the, the ladybug is very different than the grasshopper and so on. Or, or wake up in the morning after you read it the night before thinking about, I wonder how he's going to get out of this mess. Exactly. I can't see how he's going to get out of And now let me ask you this. Do, when you read novels, when you read novels, can you put it down at night when the character is in trauma are you no. able are you able no. to leave it yeah and then even wait till the weekend and then find out did they make it out like so, what type of person are yeah you? so so if it's a high level of trauma yeah. i can't put it down really so, so but the thing is i would say so i read every night before i go to bed and like eight right. times out of ten I'm actually pretty good at, I get tired, like, yeah. I, and we've joked about this, like, sometimes I know it's time to go to sleep because I drop the Kindle on my face. Yeah, I, I have Kindle right? imprints on my yeah, head. Yeah, like, my yeah. wife makes fun of me because it's yeah. like, she'll, she'll be like, you did it again. Yeah. I'm like, I know, ow, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But if it's a moment of, you know, I, I have a bond with this character. Oh. Suddenly I'm up for two hours. So your until empathy. I, until I get to a place where it's like, okay, I can... I can stop. I, think I can stop on this. You're probably just a more caring individual than I am. I don't think you that's just true. care for people. Maybe more, I just you know? lack the discipline to go to sleep when I need to. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first time I read Fellowship of the, I didn't know this about me until I was in bed reading for the very first time as an adult Fellowship of the Ring, the, the first yeah. one of the trilogy. Yeah, yeah. And there's this scene where they're in this the cave of Mordor, and um, somehow they make a noise. And then there's these tom-tom drums that start to beat, and their swords turn blue. And the, the movie picks up this scene well. Yeah. Where now, you know, orcs yeah. are coming. Well, uh, I was reading that for the first time ever as an adult. I was probably like 35. I didn't read any Tolkien until mid-30s. You didn't read any Tolkien? I did mm-hmm. not know that because I know you love Tolkien. It's a different podcast. Yeah. But yeah. And, uh, but I, uh, maybe I was like 30. But the um, at that very moment... I thought that's going to be so much fun to find out this weekend. Yeah. I want to have more time, and I closed it. <laughs> oh man, yeah, put I couldn't it, have done that. Put it on the nightstand. I rolled over. I'm like getting into sleep. Like I can go right into sleep fast. Yeah. Angie takes a while. She says, "Well, what's happening with the hobbits?" And I went, "I don't know. They made a noise, and their swords are turning blue. That means there are orcs nearby." Yeah. And she said, "Well, what did they do?" I said, "I just left them there." She could not sleep. She's like you. Oh, she never asked you about a book you were reading again, huh? No. Yeah. She, no, so even last night, there's a battle going on in the book I was reading, and uh, the it's between two clipper ships, and uh, yeah, I can't wait till this weekend Yeah. to find cool. out who wins I need to that, learn that ship skill. battle. I, need to learn that well, skill. I don't know if it's a skill or if it's, I'm just callous. You know, that's uh, what... I don't think that's it. <laughs> I, I do think because uh, in our many millions of listeners someone's going to point out that they didn't make it to Mortar in the first book, and it was probably the Caves of Moria or something I don't like remember. that, you know? Yeah. So just acknowledging, okay, we might be off a little bit. We're off our, a little bit. It's been our, a little, uh, yeah, I, I taught a class on Tolkien and Lewis, um, gosh, for a year with a bunch of teenagers. It was fun. So I knew all that stuff then, yeah. but that, that kind of stuff goes the other way. But back, back to the training of children is... The, I think the, the point we want to reiterate is the slowness of a book mm. allows them to vicariously really dig into and really take the time to think through empathy, pain, yeah. recovery, um, courage, cowardice, uh, failure, uh, redemption. Mm. And it, the the speed at which a video gives it makes the learner so passive when yeah. you're watching a movie you're really just trying to grapple to the next visual. Right. And so I love movies. I love movies. I love the video world. But uh, I learn less from them because it comes at me so fast. Yeah. And so I think for children, getting them to just slow down and then even have something to talk about with their parents. Like, well, what happened when the when James came up with the idea about the seagulls? What happened? And then that creates a slower talking point. Yeah. Uh, that mom which and dad is, which kinda... is more reflective of how we experience things in real life right yes it's like there are things that it just takes days months years but you know yeah. uh, to, to process through to work through. that's true and it, it, it uh, I, I think it addresses the way that our hearts work right you, you and I've talked about uh, Deuteronomy 6 the great passage of the Shema it's called the great Shema you know um, the verbs are teach these things to your children. Uh-huh. I think the verbs are when you walk, 
and when you lie down and when you sit, everywhere you go, teach them these things. The Lord our God is one, and love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Mm -hmm. And there is a contemplative slow process. I mean, if, if we just use those, that verse as how to parent children, the world would be a better place. Walking, teaching, yeah. sitting, teaching, mm -hmm. as you go, as yeah. you go, not, uh, not too many videos. This has been fun to talk about this. I um, do you have you and I've talked a little bit about the balance of the digital world. Right? Yeah, you and I both. Yeah, like I, I have four computers within ten feet of me that I use all day. Yep, and uh, you have several, and I, you and I both struggle with how to turn off the digital. Wait. And rest back into uh, yes. Although you seem to be solving that much more than I am currently, I, I would I would say that if you saw me balancing my digital world and analog world, it would it would look like a very clumsy four year old trying to ride a bicycle. <laughs> so I'd be like, or like Bambi on ice sledding around. Yeah, but at least you got the training wheels. Off. I'm trying. I am. I'm yeah. trying. Yeah. To it's inspiring. Uh, yeah. It, it, but it it just takes some time. Yeah. Yeah. So just as we wrap up on James and the Giant Peach, yeah. um, because I, I know for a lot of our listeners, it's going to bring back memories because it's a really well-read book. Yeah. Um, but Roald Dahl has a whole library of books like this. So if, if, if I'm someone who's like, gosh, I remember loving that book. What else of his could I read? Yeah, well, what would you recommend? Mo most everybody knows uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, now when the movie was made, Gene Wilder, the star, insisted the movie be called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. So of course, you know, he got that. <laughs> and uh, and then the sequel to that, the book sequel was uh, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. I didn't like that as much as a kid. I didn't get it. Uh, Matilda and uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, which Wes Anderson turned into a movie about mm -hmm. 12 years ago. And uh, my personal favorite out of all these and my number one all-time favorite childhood book is Danny Champion the World. It's one of his lesser known and, um, but all of these are in some way a coming of age of a child that went through trauma. And uh, I, it's, uh, Danny in particular stands out to me because you, it starts with his mother is dead and it's just he and his dad living behind a uh, auto mechanic shop. And so the father-son relationship is so natural mm -hmm. and beautiful and uh, rarely do you get to see a good parent in a doll one, but the the dad and the dad and Danny are really mutual heroes of the story. Yeah, and I think I've probably read that fifteen times. Yeah, and uh, but all of doll stuff is that sort of coming of age childhood, pre puberty. Yeah, you know, like Matilda. Have you seen the movie yeah. Matilda? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Danny DeVito's a scream as the, <laughs> yeah. the, the really mean dad. And, yeah. So you know. it, it, just picking up on something you just said I, that I hadn't thought through, but you're right. Uh, other than the one you just spoke of, the parents are not great parents in they're Roald Dahl books. They're not great parents, or what, they're passive. I feel like I feel like we need to play therapist with Roald Dahl at some point and be he like, probably, "What happened?" He probably needed some therapy. Yeah, you know, he probably you know we would probably label him today, but back in those <laughs> days, they just smoked cigarettes. Yeah, you know, instead of going to the therapist, right? You know, which probably would get <laughs> and banned apparently and, wrote children's novels. And our editors may edit that sentence out. They but probably it's just will. True. But, but the uh, even in Charlie's Chocolate Factory, everybody has seen that movie. It seems like everybody has seen that. I yeah. got the golden ticket and all that. But his mom and dad are they're lovely, but they're very passive and lean toward the risk averse. So grandpa has to get up out of the bed. Yeah. So grandpa becomes the hero, which just makes it so much fun. Yeah. But 
but even then the mom and dad are not active participants. Charlie seems to be the most mature right. in that little house. Yeah, and, and that's out, true of James as well. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. even to the very end. Yeah. I mean, uh, how it ends is so much fun. And uh, you, you see him go from, back to James, you see James from going from a beat-down child in an abusive situation, trauma and then abuse, to the hero. Yeah. And he looks like a hero. Yeah. In the last 20 pages, you just, it just, uh, you just want to cheer him on. You're like, yeah. wow, I want to I be like, uh, I want to be like James when I grow up. Yeah. I, I, as a, I, I told Angel this morning, I want to be like James as a head of school every day. <laughs> like, he, he made it through a very hard thing and was smiling at the end and he was helping other people. Well, I guess if you're going to be James, i got to figure out which of the seven creatures I, I, think, I need to try I to I think emulate. I would, you know, if you were the centipede, I would take your shoes off for you. Okay, yeah. all 42 of them or whatever Well, yeah, but the, the cricket, the, the other, it's only 42. Okay. You're convinced there's 100, you know. Yeah. The I grasshopper have, will I only own like on three that. pairs of shoes as it is. So. Oh, okay, well, then that's yeah. a different problem. <laughs> well, Anyways. this has been a lot of fun. Me, uh, I've loved this. Yeah, thank you. thank you for, and thanks for sharing a little bit about your own story yeah. as well. And uh, to those of you at home, thanks for listening and I guess watching for the first time. Yeah. It was... Sorry you had to see our faces. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> but we'll we be back uh, both with our Eagle Perspective podcast and continuing on our series of, of Yard of Books. Um, just a reminder, if this is your first time joining us, you can always uh, download our other podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music, or other places where podcasts are available. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.